Chapter 15, Cold Snap. That was a cold, late spring. The dawns were chilly, and at noon the sunlight was cold, was cool. The trees unfolded their leaves slowly. The peas and beans and carrots and corn stood waiting for warmth that did not grow. When the rush of spring's work was over, Almanzo had to go to school again. Only small children went to the spring term of school, and he wished he were old enough to stay home. He didn't like to sit and study a book when there were so many interesting things to do. Father hauled the fleeces to the carding machine in Malone and brought home the soft, long rolls of wool, combed out straight and fine. Mother didn't card her own wool anymore since there was a machine that did it on shares. But she died in it. Alice and Eliza Jane were gathering roots and barks in the woods. And Royale was building huge bonfires in the yard. They boiled roots and the, and the bark in big cauldrons over fires. And they dipped the long skeins of wool thread that Mother had spun and lifted them out on sticks, all colored brown and red and blue. When Almanzo went home from school, clotheslines were hanging full of colored skines. Mother was making soft soap, too. All the winter's ashes had been saved in a barrel. Now water was poured over them, and lye was dripping out of the little hole in the bottom of the barrel. Mother measured the lye into a cauldron and added pork rinds and all the waste pork fat and beef fat that she had been saving all winter. The cauldron boiled, and the lye and the fat made soap. Almanzo could have kept the bonfires burning. He could have dipped the brown, slimy soap out of the cauldron and filled the tubs with it, but he had to go to school. He watched the moon anxiously, for in the dark of the moon in May, he could stay out of school and plant pumpkins. Then in the chill early morning, he tied Then in the chill early morning, he tied a pouch, of, a pouch full of pumpkin seeds around his waist and went to the cornfield. All the dark field had a thin green veil of weeds over it now. The small blades of corn were not growing well because of the cold. At every second hill of corn, in every second row, Almanzo knelt down and took a thin flat pumpkin seed between his thumb and finger. He pushed the she seed sharp point down into the ground. It was chill work at first, but pretty soon the sun was higher. The air and the earth smelled good, and it was fun to poke his finger and thumb into the soft soil and leave the seed there to grow. Day after day, he worked till all the pumpkins were planted, and then he begged to hoe and thin the carrots. He hoed all the weeds away from the long rows, and he pulled the line and he pulled the little feathery carrot tops till those that were left stood two inches apart. He didn't hurry at all. No one had ever taken such pains with carrots as he did, because he didn't want to go back to school. He made the work last until there were only three more days of school. Then the spring term ended, and he could work all summer. 
First he helped hoe the cornfield. Father plowed between the rows, and Royale and Almanzo with hoes killed every weed that was left and hoed around each hill of corn. Slash, slash went the hoes all day, stirring the earth around the young shoots of corn and the first two flat leaves of pumpkins. Two acres of corn Almanzo hoed, and then he hoed two acres of potatoes. That finished the hoeing for a while. Now it was strawberry time. Wild strawberries were few that year, and late, because frost had killed the first blossoms. <clears throat> Almanzo had to go far through the woods to fill his pail with the small, sweet, fragrant berries. When he found them clustered under their green leaves, he couldn't help eating some. He snipped off the green twigs of wintergreen and ate them too. And he nibbled with his teeth the sweet sour of wood sorrel stems, right up to their frail lavender blossoms. He stopped to shy stones at the frisking squirrels, and he left his pail on the banks of streams and went wading, chasing the minnows. But he never came home till his pail was full. Then there were strawberries and cream for supper, and next day mother would have would make strawberry preserves. I never saw corn grow so slowly, father worried. He plowed the field again, and again Almanzo helped Royale to hoe the corn. The little shoots <clears throat> stood still. On the first of July, they were only four inches high. They seemed to feel that danger threatened them and to be afraid to grow. It was three days to Independence Day, the fourth of July. Then it was two days. Then it was one day, and that night Almanzo had to take a bath, though it wasn't a Saturday. Next morning they were all going to the celebration in Malone. Almanzo could hardly wait till morning. There would be a band and speeches, and the brass cannon would be fired. The air was still and cold that night, and the stars had a wintry look. After supper, father went to the barns again. He shut the doors and the little wind wooden window of the horses' stalls, and he put the ewes with lambs into the fold. When he came in, Mother asked if it was any warmer. Father shook his head. I do believe it's going to freeze, he said. Surely not, Mother replied. She looked worried. Sometime in the night, Almanzo felt cold, but he was too sleepy to do anything about it. Then he heard Mother calling, Royale, Almanzo. He was too sleepy to open his eyes. Boys, get up, hurry, Mother called. The corn is frozen. He tumbled out of bed and pulled on his trousers. He couldn't keep his eyes open. His hands were clumsy, and big yawns almost dislocated his jaw. He staggered downstairs behind Royale. Mother and Eliza Jane and Alice were putting on their hoods and shawls. The kitchen was cold. The fire had not been lighted. Outdoors, everything looked strange. The grass was white with frost, and a cold green streak was in the eastern sky, but the air was dark. Father hitched Bess and Beauty to the wagon. Royale pumped the watering trough full. Amanzo helped Mother and the girls bring tubs and pails, and Father set barrels in the wagon. They filled the tubs and barrels full of water, and then they walked behind the wagon to the cornfield. All the corn was frozen. The little leaves were stiff and they broke if you touched them. 
Only cold water would save the life of the corn. Every hill must be watered before the sunshine touched it, or the little plants would die. There would be no corn crop that year. The wagon stopped at the edge of the field. Father and mother and Royale and Eliza Jane, Dallas and Almanzo filled their pails with water, and they all went to work as fast as they could. Almanzo tried to hurry, but the pail was heavy and his legs were short. His wet fingers were cold. The water slopped against his legs and he was terribly sleepy. He stumbled along the rows and at every hill of corn, he poured a little water over the frozen leaves. The field seemed enormous. There were thousands and thousands of hills of corn. Almanzo began to be hungry, but he couldn't stop to complain. He must hurry, hurry, hurry to save the corn. The green in the east turned pink. Every moment, the light brightened. At first, the dark had been like a mist over the endless field. Now, Almanzo could see to the end of the long rows. He tried to work faster. In an instant, the earth turned from black to gray. The sun was coming to kill the corn. Almanzo ran to fill his pail. He ran back. He ran down the rows, splashing water on the hills of corn. His shoulders ached, and his arm ached, and there was a pain in his side. The soft earth hung onto his feet. He was terribly hungry. But every splash of water saved a hill of corn. In the gray light, the corn had faint shadows now. All at once, pale sunshine came over the field. Keep on, Father shouted. So they all kept on. They didn't stop. But after a little while, Father gave up. No use, he called. Nothing would save the corn after the sunshine touched it. Almanzo set down his pail and straightened up against the ache in his back. He stood and looked at the cornfield. All the others stood and looked too, and did not say anything. They had watered almost three acres. A quarter of an acre had not been watered. It was lost. Almanzo trudged back to the wagon and climbed in. Father said, let's be thankful we saved most of it. They rode sleepily down to the barns. Almanzo was not quite awake yet, and he was tired and cold and hungry. His hands were clumsy doing the chores, but most of the corn was saved. Chapter 16, Independence Day. Almanzo was eating breakfast before he remembered that this was the 4th of July. He felt more cheerful. It was like Sunday morning. After breakfast, he scrubbed his face with soft soap till it shone, and he parted his wet hair combed it sleekly down. He put on his sheep's gray trousers and his shirt of French calico and his vest and his short round coat. Mother had made his new suit in the new style. The coat fastened at the throat with a little flap of cloth and then the two sides slanted back to show his vest and they rounded off over his trousers pockets. He put on his round straw hat which mother had made of braided oat straws and he was all dressed up for Independence Day. He felt very fine. 
father's shining horses were hitched to the shining red-wheeled buggy, and they all drove away in the cool sunshine. All the country had a holiday air. Nobody was working in the fields, and along the road, people in their Sunday clothes were driving to town. Father's swift horses passed them all. They passed by wagons and carts and buggies. They passed gray horses and black horses and dappled gray horses. Almanzo waved his hat whenever he sailed past anyone he knew, and he would have been perfectly happy if only he had been driving that swift, beautiful team. At the church sheds in Malone, he helped Father unhitch. Mother and the girls and Royale hurried away, but Almanzo would rather help with the horses than do anything else. He couldn't drive them, but he could tie their halters and buckle on their blankets and stroke their soft noses and give them hay. Then he went out with Father, and they walked on the crowded sidewalks. All the stores were closed, but ladies and gentlemen were walking up and down and talking. Ruffled little girls carried parasols, but all the boys were dressed up like Almanzo. Flags were everywhere, and in the square the band was playing Yankee Doodle. The fifes tooted, and the flutes shrilled, and the drums came in with a rub-a-dub-dub. Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony. He stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. Even the grown-ups had to keep time to it. And there, in the corner of the square, were the two brass cannons. The square was not really square. The railroad made it three-cornered. But everybody called it the square anyway. It was fenced, and grass grew there. Benches stood in rows on the grass, and people were filing between the benches and sitting down as they did in church. Amanzo went with Father to one of the best front seats. All the important men stopped to shake hands with Father. The crowd kept coming till all the seats were full, and still there were people outside the fence. The band stopped playing, and the minister prayed. Then the band tuned up again, and everybody rose. Men and boys took off their hats. The band played, and everybody sang. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous night or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. From the top of the flagpole up against the blue sky, the stars and stripes were fluttering. Everybody looked at the American flag, and Almanzo sang with all his might. Then everybody sat down, and a congressman stood up on the platform. Slowly and solemnly, he read the Declaration of Independence. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Almanzo felt solemn and very proud. Then two men made long political speeches, one believed in high tariffs, and one believed in free trade. All the grown-ups listened hard, but Almanzo did not understand the speeches very well. He began to be hungry. He was glad when the band played again. The music was so gay, the bandsmen in their blue and red and their brass buttons tootled merrily, and the fat drummer beat rat-a-tat-tat -tat on the drum, 
All the flags were fluttering and everybody was happy because they were free and independent. And this was Independence Day and it was time to eat dinner. Amonzo helped father feed the horses while mother and the girls spread the picnic lunch on the grass in the churchyard. Many others were picnicking there too. And after he had eaten all that he could, Amonzo went back to the square. There was a lemonade stand by the hitching posts. A man sold pink lemonade and nickel a glass. And a crowd of the town boys were standing round him. Cousin Frank was there. Amonzo had a drink at the town pump. But Frank said he was going to buy lemonade. He had a nickel. He walked up to the stand and bought a glass of pink lemonade and drank it slowly. He smacked his lips and rubbed his stomach and said, mm -mm, Why don't you buy some? Where'd you get the nickel? Alfonso asked. He had never had a nickel. Father gave him a penny every Sunday to put in the collection box in church. He had never had any other money. My father gave it to me, Frank bragged. My father gives me a nickel every time I ask him. Well, so would my father if I asked him, said Almanzo. Well, why don't you ask him, Frank? Frank did not believe that father would give Almanzo a nickel. Almanzo did not know whether father would or not. Because I don't want to, he said. He wouldn't give you a nickel, Frank said. He would too. I dare you to ask him, Frank said. The other boys were listening. Amonzo put his hands in his pockets and said, I'd just as life to ask him if I wanted to. Yeah, you're scared, Frank jeered. Double dare, double dare. Father was a little way down the street, talking to Mr. Paddock, the wagon maker. Amonzo walked slowly toward them. He was faint-hearted, but he had to go. The nearer he got to father, the more he dreaded asking for a nickel. He had never before thought of doing such a thing. He was sure Father would not give it to him. He waited till Father stopped talking and looked at him. What is it, son? Father asked. Amonzo was scared. Father, he said. Well, son? Father, Amonzo said. Would you, would you give me a nickel? He stood there while Father and Mr. Paddock looked at him, and he wished he could get away. Finally, Father asked, What for? Almanzo looked down at his moccasins and muttered, Frank had a nickel. He bought pink lemonade. Well, Father said slowly, If Frank treated you, it's only right you should treat him. Father put his hand in his pocket. Then he stopped and said, did Frank treat you to a lemonade? Almanzo wanted so badly to get the nickel that he nodded. Then he squirmed and said, No, Father. Father looked at him a long time. Then he took out his wallet and opened it. And slowly he took out a round, big, silver half dollar. He asked Almanzo, Do you know what this is? Half a dollar, Almanzo answered. Yes, but do you know what half a dollar is? Amonzo didn't know it was anything but half a dollar. It's work, son, father said. That's what money is. It's hard work. Mr. Paddock chuckled. The boy's too young, Wilder, he said. 
You can't make a youngster understand that. Almanzo is smarter than you think, said Father. Almanzo didn't understand at all. He wished he could get away, but Mr. Paddock was looking at Father, just as Frank looked at Almanzo when he double-dared him. And Father had said Almanzo was smart, so Almanzo tried to look like a smart boy. Father asked, You know how to raise potatoes, Almanzo? Yes, Almanzo said. So you have a seed potato in the spring. What do you do with it? You cut it up, Almanzo said. Go on, son. Then you harrow. First you manure the field and plow it. Then you harrow and mark the ground and plant the potatoes and plow them and hoe them. Plow and hoe them twice. That's right, son. And then? Then you dig them and put them down in the cellar. Yes. Then you pick them over all winter. You throw out all the little ones and the rotten ones. Come spring, you load them up and haul them here to Malone and you sell them. And if you get a good price, son, how much do you get to show for all that work? How much do you get for half a bushel of potatoes? Half a dollar, Almanzo said. Yes, said Father. That's what's in this half dollar, Almanzo. The work that raised half a bushel of potatoes is in it. Almanzo looked at the round piece of money the father held up. It looked small compared with all that work. You can have it, Almanzo, father said. Almanzo could hardly believe his ears. Father gave him the heavy half dollar. It's yours, said father. You could buy a suckling pig with it if you want to. You could raise it, and it would raise a litter of pigs worth four or five dollars a piece. Or you can trade that half dollar for lemonade and drink it up. You do as you want. It's your money. Almanzo forgot to say thank you. He held the half dollar a minute, and then he put his hand in his pocket and went back to the boys by the lemonade stand. The man was calling out, Step this way, step this way, ice-cold lemonade, pink lemonade, only five cents a glass, only half a dime, ice-cold, pink lemonade, the twentieth part of a dollar. Frank asked Almanzo, Where's the nickel? He didn't give me a nickel, said Almanzo. And Frank yelled, Aha! I told you he wouldn't. I told you so. He gave me half a dollar, Almanzo said. The boys wouldn't believe it until he showed them. Then they crowded around, waiting for him to spend it. He showed it to them all and put it back in his pocket. I'm going to look around, he said, and buy me a good little sucking pig. The band came marching down the street, and they all ran along beside it. The flag was gloriously waving in front. Then came the buglers blowing, and the fifers tootling, and the drummer rattling the drumsticks on the drum. Up the street and down the street went the band, with all the boys following it, and then it stopped in the square by the brass cannons. Hundreds of people were there, crowding to watch. The cannons sat on their haunches, pointing their long barrels upwards. The band kept on playing. Two men kept shouting, Stand back! Stand back! And other men were pouring black powder into the cannon's muzzles and pushing it down with wads of cloth on long rods. The iron rods had two handles, and the two men pushed and pulled on them, driving the black powder down the brass barrels 
Then all the boys ran to pull grass and weeds along the railroad tracks. They carried them by the armfuls to the cannons, and the men crowded the weeds into the cannons' muzzles and drove them down with long rods. A bonfire was burning by the railroad tracks, and long iron rods were heating in it. When all the weeds and grass had been packed tight against the powder in the cannons, a man took a little more powder in his hand, carefully filled the two little touch holes in the barrels. Now everybody was shouting, Stand back! Stand back! Mother took hold of Almanzo's arm and made him come away with her. He told, all, he told her, Oh, Mother, they're only loaded with powder and weeds. I won't get hurt, Mother. I'll be careful, honest. But she made him come away from the cannons. Two men took the long iron rods from the fire. Everybody was still, watching. Standing as far behind the cannons as they could, the two men stretched out the rods and touched their red-hot tips to the touch holes. A little flame, like a candle flame, flickered up from the powder. The little flame stood there burning. Nobody breathed. Then, boom, the cannons leapt backwards. The air was full of flying grass and weeds. Almanzo ran with all the other boys to feel the warm muzzles of the cannons. Everybody was exclaiming about what a loud noise they'd made. That's the noise that made the redcoats run, Mr. Paddock said to Father. Maybe, Father said, tucking his beard, but it was muskets that won the revolution. And don't forget it was axes and plows that made this country. That's so, come to think of it, Mr. Paddock said. Independence Day was over. The cannons had been fired, and there was nothing more to do but hook up the horses and drive home to do the chores. That night when they were going to the house with the milk, Almanzo asked Father, Father, how was it axes and plows that made this country? Didn't we fight England for it? We fought for independence, son, Father said. But all the land our forefathers had was a little strip of country between here and the mountains and the ocean. All the way from here west was Indian country, and Spanish and French and English country. It was farmers that took all that country and made it America. How? Almanzo asked. Well, son, the Spaniards were soldiers and high and mighty gentlemen that only wanted gold. And the French were fur traders wanting to make quick money and England was busy fighting wars. But we were farmers, son. We wanted the land. It was farmers that went over the mountains and cleared the land and settled it and farmed it and hung on to their farms. This country goes 3,000 miles west now. It goes way out beyond Kansas and beyond the great American desert, over mountains bigger than these mountains and down to the Pacific Ocean. It's the biggest country in the world. And it was farmers who took all that country and made it America, son. Don't you ever forget that. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter.